You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. Our lesson today is on developing internet use policies for ministry with Anthony King. Anthony King worked in the U.S. Navy as a network engineer and currently serves as the Director of Technology Services at Lancaster Baptist Church. This is developing internet use policies, uh, basically finding out what is an acceptable internet use, how we uh, set aside appropriate policies for that, what do we do with our data, how do we safeguard it, things along those lines. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, my name is Anthony King. I serve as the Director of Technology Services for Lancaster Baptist Church and West Coast Baptist College. Um, and I told people yesterday, just about anything that has a power cord attached to it, somehow they try to pin it on me and make me responsible for it. So uh, that's kind of uh, what I do. Uh, oversee all of our computers that we have on campus. I'm responsible for setting up our, all of our security systems, firewalls, uh, content filtering, uh, spam filtering, and things along those lines. So if you have any questions on that, I'd be more than happy to help in any way that I can. I tell people this right here is worth the price of admission alone, my email address. Uh, go ahead and write this down on your, your notes here, anthony.king at lancasterbaptist.org. If you ever have any question whatsoever, and I mean even outside of the realms of what I would know, shoot me an email. I'll try to get you in touch with the appropriate person that would be able to help you out. Um, if you uh, hear something this week that you, you forgot about or that you wanted more information on, send me an email. I'll help you out uh, wherever I can. Uh, if you have questions about our websites I'll, uh, or any of our graphics or media or things along those lines, I'll forward you over to the appropriate guys from there. Uh, so any way that we can help, uh, that's my email address. That's the best way to get in touch with me. People uh, send me uh, text messages, leave me voicemails and things like that. The best way to get in touch with me is email. I usually try to respond within the hour if you send me an email. Uh, voicemails, I hate to confess, but it uh, could sit for several days before I get around a voicemail. So uh, email definitely the best way to, to get in touch with me there. Uh, write that down, put that in your files. Uh, so we're, today we're going to talk about Internet use policies uh, and why we should have policies to begin with. Uh, what's the purpose of having policies? Uh, can't we just trust everybody to be okay? Um, what can we we do as far as uh, content filtering goes um, and what are some solutions for that and some some uh, uh, good uh, practices for small networks or even larger networks if you have uh, larger networks that you're in charge of as well. First thing we need to do is to formulate what is considered acceptable. Now, a lot of times people say, well, what do you allow on your network? Or uh, even a broader question, if, you, if you're discipling new believers and they say, well, what can I look at on the Internet? Where can I go? Where do I draw the line as far as entertainment in my life? Where do I draw the line as far as uh, what is acceptable and unacceptable? The Bible gives us a very clear checklist for that, and that's Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. Uh, I love checklists because I'm not the smartest uh, guy in the room, okay? Uh, So to have a checklist of things that I can check off and say, okay, this meets this criteria or does not, uh, that's kind of a good way that we can set uh, our policies as to what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. On top of that, we also have to to think in terms of... um, 
as churches, we also have a nonprofit status that we have to keep. Uh, being involved in things like the uh, like political electioneering and supporting certain candidates and things like that can put our uh, tax exempt status in jeopardy. So we want to make sure uh, that we're not on our websites or through other uh, means promoting any types of uh, things that would help us to lose or would cause us to lose our tax exempt status. But Philippians 4 8, great uh, baseline for that. On top of that, you need to not only, uh, first of all, go with what the Bible says, but secondly, find out what the heart of your pastor is. Uh, There are uh, some pastors that might say, hey, you know what? I don't want these guys going anywhere on the Internet that doesn't deal specifically with our ministry. If it doesn't deal with our ministry, man, I don't want them going there at all. Uh, That might mean cutting out all sports sites, maybe uh, uh, some news sites and things along those lines that would keep people from uh, doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. Um, So really, the the question is, what does the pastor want for us? We can... uh, when we're uh, developing policies, when we're doing content filtering, uh, we can specify based on different categories, or these are allowed categories, these are unallowed categories. And really to do those types of things, you need to get the heart of your pastor. Uh, and that's, that's extremely important. Uh, I normally start off all my sessions with saying this, but let me say it now since I didn't to begin with. We know this, this conference here does not exist to tell folks how to do things. That's not the, the philosophy of this ministry whatsoever. Uh, if, if you sit in on, on our, uh, our pastor sessions that he has, he'll basically say, this is what I do, this is what the Lord's blessed, this is what I believe the Bible says that we should do. At no point do we ever have the heart of, if you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. Uh, that's not the means of this by any means. It's to, just to give you ideas, uh, help you, and, and give you some resources, put some tools in your hand that hopefully will be a help to you in one way or another. So we need to formulate what's acceptable. Uh, secondly, we need to take a look at what we would consider to be stewardship concerns. Uh, God has given us uh, several things that we need to manage, and we need to make sure that we're good managers of. And uh, one of the things that the Internet can definitely suck away from us is time. Um, how many people have ever been sitting down, hey, I'm just going to check some sports scores right quick, I'm going to check the news headlines right quick, and before you know it, you've just been sitting there for an hour, and it's like, holy cow, where did the time go? Now, I remember my very first computer that I got, uh, and as soon as I got it, I got it hooked up to the Internet um, when I was uh, 17 years old. Way back in the day, uh, I got dial-up internet through MSN, and I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I got home. Uh, I was in the Navy at the time. I got home from from uh, working at the base that day. Got sit down on my computer, logged on, and I look up, and it's three o'clock in the morning. And I'm still sitting there in my Navy uniform in front of the computer. And I thought, where did all this time go? You know, I just started looking at this, and it led to that, and then I go, oh, I've never read about that before, or I'm interested in this. And before you know it, all of your time's been sucked away from you. Uh, so when we develop uh, internet policies, one of the things we can do is we can put time limits on things. Uh, for example, we can say you're allowed um, non-ministry uh, access to the internet only after certain working hours, or if we wanted to, through a lot of uh, different content filtering software, you can say I'm going to allow access to these websites, but only a specific amount of time on a given day. Uh, so we need to uh, keep that into consideration. In addition to that, we need to make sure that we're stewarding our resources properly. Uh, Internet access is not free. Now, some of you live in areas where uh, Internet access is cheaper than others for a high-speed Internet connection. Uh, Here, we pay a ton for ours because we're so far out in the desert from uh, where Verizon wants to run their lines from. So we pay a a good percentage of that. So our bandwidth that we're paying for on a monthly basis, we don't want to be frivolous with that and allow people to download uh, movies and music and unauthorized file sharing and things like that on our network. So we need to make sure that we're stewarding uh, the resources that God 
God's given us appropriately as well. Uh, we also want to make sure that we're not putting ourselves in any type of um, uh, legal difficulty as far as people that would download unauthorized software. If they're downloading unauthorized software, unauthorized uh, movies and music and things like that from the Internet, we certainly don't want to be a conduit for those types of things. So those uh, should be uh, outlined in your uh, um, acceptable use policy, and also through your content filtering software as well. In addition to that, and probably one of the most important, I think, is our ministry data. Uh, we have been entrusted, as for those of us that work on computers, we've been entrusted with a ton of data uh, that is very, very sensitive from, from uh, birthdays and anniversaries to sometimes social security numbers, sometimes um, giving records, uh, sometimes just, just personal information that people wouldn't want out there. So we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can uh, to keep that, that data safe, secure, uh, away from anywhere that it will be leaked. We need to make sure that we uh, control that data appropriately so that it doesn't get into the wrong hands and doesn't get out there somewhere where we don't want it to get. Uh, so that's incredibly important as well. On top of that, we need to, to make sure that we're taking a look at moral concerns as well. One of my primary job functions that I have is um, when we think of protecting the mind. One of the primary jobs that I have on a daily basis to just keep all of our computers up and running, but on top of that, making sure that I keep the filth and the garbage that's on the Internet off this campus in any way possible. Uh, now, it's one of those things that it's, sometimes it feels like you're, you're bailing water out of a sinking ship trying to plug all the holes, uh, but once you really take the time and lock things down appropriately, um, that's, that, this becomes a chief concern here to make sure that we're uh, doing our best to do that. And it might mean setting your content filters or setting your policy so strict uh, that people can't get to legitimate websites that they need to get to, and it's just a matter of then going back and unlocking those things. And I think anybody who uh, runs up against that says, hey, I'm trying to get to, to uh, this particular website. For example, I'm trying to get to the Dodgers website so I can buy tickets for a teen outing. Um, nobody's going to get bent out of shape about that because we locked it down a little bit too tight. Or uh, we had a, a case uh, a couple weeks ago where uh, one of our staff members was trying to get to the Sports Illustrated website. They have the Sports Illustrated vault uh, where you could go and look at back issues of Sports Illustrated. Well, he tried to go there to look up something uh, back in the 80s from a magazine article, and he couldn't get there. It was blocked. And he says, I don't know why it's blocked. What's going on here? So I took a look at it. And because in this vault that they have is also the swimsuit issues of Sports Illustrated, uh, it had blocked that entire category of the Sports Illustrated vault. And he said, you know what? I don't need it that bad. I don't want to, to even have the, uh, the possibility of accessing things like that. So again, a lot of times, if you set things too strict, most people are not going to have a problem with um, either going around that um, in some way or finding their data from another source uh, or unlocking that and uh, allowing that people access to the things they need access to. Uh, so that, in my opinion, is incredibly, uh, incredibly important there. On top of that, uh, for us personally as a ministry, we do not allow everyone access to the Internet. Uh, there are certain jobs, for example, that people do not need Internet access. Uh, for example, there are some ladies who work down in our print center uh, that all they do all day long is print, staple, fold, put booklets together. A lot of the materials that you guys have had in your hands this week have been put together in our print center down there. Now, somebody who's making 20,000 copies a day, do they need access to the Internet? The answer is no. Uh, could we give them access to the Internet? Sure. But do they need it? No. It's a, a possibility to be a time waster for them and things like that. So we need to, in our acceptable use policies, we need to outline who needs access to the internet, who doesn't need access to the internet. And a lot of times that's going to be signed off by, uh, for us, our team leader. Uh, for example, we get a new person who comes on staff. We say, do they need access to the internet? And again, we can specify this person is going to be uh, shipping out uh, products 
to through striving together. We can give them access to the FedEx website only and nothing else. So we can really restrict them what they have access to. And again, that prevents people from, from wasting time. That prevents people from seeing things they shouldn't see. Um, and it helps a lot of different things there as far as that's concerned. In addition to that, uh, part of my job is to police the policies, make sure that people are uh, abiding by the appropriate policies. Our pastor from time to time will ask for uh, uh, internet use reports, and he wants to know what, who's accessing what websites and things like that. And all of those things are outlined in the acceptable use policy. You might say, oh, well, he doesn't have the right to know where I'm going on the internet, or things like that should be private. Uh, we have every single one of our users sign an acceptable use policy that says at any time our pastor can pull these records and read through these reports, uh, and that makes Make sure that everybody has uh, transparency and accountability there. So as far as that's concerned, then we have, uh, we want to publish the policy. Make sure that everyone is fully aware of the appropriate policies that we have in place. First thing that we need to do there is to draft the policy and submit it for review. This is going to be a process of putting together a policy that looks good, submit it to your, your pastor and get pastoral approval on it. Say, pastor, this is the things we're thinking of as far as uh, acceptable use policies go. You might say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Our church really only has our, maybe our pastor and a secretary, or our pastor and an assistant pastor. We don't really have a large staff like you guys have. This stuff is incredibly, incredibly important regardless of the size. Uh, because if you run up against an issue here where someone uh, wants to take you to court for spying on them while they're on the Internet and things like that, you have a signed policy here that, they, that says that they knew that you were going to uh, be keeping them accountable in those areas. So draft the policy and submit it to your pastoral staff for approval. Uh, in addition to that, after you've done that, meet with all affected personnel. As part of our in-processing, when we hire a new staff member, we sit down with them and go through the uh, acceptable use policy. They take a look at it. They see what's acceptable, what's unacceptable. Um, and then on top of that, uh, say, for example, we have a, a staff member who comes on, and when they first come on, they're only going to be a secretary for a certain pastoral staff member, and they don't need Internet access. Then a year down the road, they say, hey, I really do need Internet access now. Could you grant it? I'm going to go back over this policy with them again and say, okay, I'm going to give you access, but these are, this is what's acceptable, this is what's unacceptable. Understand that there's going to be reporting that's given to our pastoral staff uh, based on where you go on the Internet. So make sure that everyone is fully aware of the, the policies and how they are uh, set up. So, uh, and we have everybody sign one of these, and all these are kept on file with our uh, uh, human resources department and everyone's employee file. Uh, so, and I'm going to pass you guys out a copy of our uh, internet use policy and some other policies we have as well that will hopefully be a help to you there. Um, after that, we need to make sure that we have all the uh, users sign the appropriate policies. We talked about that. And then keep all signed policies on file. These become le binding legal agreements between you uh, and the, the person that has signed it. Uh, at that point, we can keep everybody accountable. And you say, uh, well, maybe I only have some, uh, uh, some uh, volunteers that really want to help out in our church offices and things like that. Every single person who signs on to a computer here at Lancaster Baptist Church is required to fill out one of these, whether they're paid staff, volunteer staff, whether they're going to be here for 24 hours, they're going to be here for 24 years, they sign and understand exactly what's expected of them as far as accessing the internet and accessing uh, our internal network as well. Uh, so um, from time to time people say, oh, so-and-so needs an account. Well, I need a signed policy, uh, 
signed policy sheet from them saying if they understand and abide by all the policies before I'm ever going to issue a user account to that person. Um, and let me pull over here for a second too and, and re highly recommend to you uh, that you don't allow um, either guests or non-church uh, folks who have, are abiding by your policy here access to your internal network. Uh, from time to time we have people that, are, that pass through that say, hey, I need to jump on the internet for a second. Can I hook up my computer to your network? And I hate to tell it to them, but I said the answer here is no. Now, we do have a guest wireless uh, access uh, that's totally physically separated from our network that people can access the Internet, totally firewalled off. They couldn't access anything that we wouldn't want them to from there. Uh, but as far as hooking it up and plugging it in directly to our church network where all of our files are stored, the answer there is simply no. And so I would highly encourage you to do that. Make sure that you uh, not only keep it locked down for, for, for your, your church family uh, or for your church staff, but also even good, well-meaning church members have come before. Hey, they've been going here for 20 years long before I ever even thought about coming here and say, can I just plug in my computer and check my email right quick? And the answer is no. If you need to check your email, I'll stand here with you while you log in via my computer and check your email. But outside of that, you can't do it. Um, so I highly recommend that you, you keep things tight uh, from that perspective as well. Now, after we have our policy in place, we need to make sure that we have some uh, appropriate way to enforce our policies. Uh, and this goes into uh, some providing some type of solid content filtering there. We want to make sure that we uh, protect these people and make sure that we have uh, things set up in such a way that won't allow them access to the things we don't want them ac have access to and things along those lines. Uh, and this goes on into proper network configuration, what we were just talking about there about having n different network segments that people are going to have guest access to our, to our network to access the internet. Uh, for example, downstairs here in the, um, the Revels building, we have a wide open wireless access point. You don't need a password. You don't need a username. You don't need anything. Plug your computer in. Bam, you're out to the internet. Uh, that is completely and totally separate from our church network that we have. There's a firewall in between that's not letting anything pass from point A to point B. Uh, so it goes into a solid content filter, proper network configuration, and also some helpful software tweaks that, uh, that I'm going to pass along to you here uh, that we use to, even though we have a good content filter in place, even though we have a, the appropriate network uh, configuration and so forth, I still find it uh, helpful to provide some additional uh, tweaking, even at the desktop level, to keep, um, keep everybody in line with the policies that we have set forth and really to uh, protect the integrity of the folks that, that work here. Um, Excuse me, I covered some of this yesterday in our, in our uh, class that we talked about as far as uh, setting up a church network, but we'll cover some of that for folks that weren't here. As far as content filtering goes, if you're looking at a smaller network, and I usually use the term smaller in, in this aspect of maybe 15 or less computers, there's a program called Safe Eyes. Uh, if you have folks in your church that really want a uh, clean internet at home, I highly recommend the program Safe Eyes. Uh, it is $50 per year. And you can load it on up to three computers uh, but for that $50 that you have there. SafeEyes runs on uh, either Windows or Mac. So if you run both or, or either or, it runs on both of those. Um, I highly recommend that, that no one in their home have an unfiltered Internet connection because you never know what's going to get there. Even if you don't go, come looking for it, the devil comes looking for you. So I uh, highly recommend that. And, and even folks that have smaller uh, uh, church networks, I highly recommend that they load up uh, all the computers there with SafeEyes on top of that. Uh, for us and, and for larger networks, um, we personally use a, uh, and a hardware. Uh, it's a piece of hardware. It's a firewall 
It's called the Barracuda Web Filter. And basically, it gets really, really specific. It says, okay, this particular user can go to these sites, this user cannot go to these sites, or this user can go to these sites, but only at certain times of day, and things like that. Very, very helpful. I want to say uh, the web filter, I, I, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, so don't quote me. It's about $2,000 uh, for a three-year subscription to that, and it's unlimited users. It's not limited by the number of users that you have, um, and it's a really, really solid product. Uh, on top of that, there's a free service that's available to you called OpenDNS. Uh, we use OpenDNS as a, uh, a second level of protection on top of our Barracuda web filter. Um, this is not an uh, in-depth networking class. So I won't take a great deal of time to uh, discuss it, but, oh, man, I lost my, oh, here's my marker. Gotcha. Basically, uh, OpenDNS, just a simplified version of this, we have our router, which connects us to the internet over here. And then we have all of our computers, our network over here, that use our router to get out to the internet from there. OpenDNS is a service that sits over here. And again, it's a free service. Got to love that. Um, and basically what happens is when these computers want to access the internet, say, for example, they want to go to CNN.com, before they can get there, they have to check in with this guy here to make sure that they're allowed to go there. And basically, OpenDNS sets up uh, the uh, filtering categories for your entire network. So it doesn't allow you to say, okay, Bob can go here, but Tom can go there. It doesn't allow you that. It basically sets up uh, strict level of filters for everybody on your network here. So I can say uh, no one is allowed to pornography websites, no one is allowed to gambling websites, no one is allowed to uh, lingerie websites, nobody's allowed to swimsuit websites, and nobody's allowed to... Um, I don't know, uh, pop-ups and advertisements. So we can block all those categories for everyone on our network. So when somebody tries to go to triplex.com or something like that, it's going to check in first with OpenDNS, who's going to come back and say, sorry, can't get you to that website, contact your system administrator. Um, so uh, OpenDNS, you can sp if you spent 10 to 15 minutes um, checking out that, it's, it would be well worth your time. It's not incredibly difficult to set up. If you have problems setting it up, let me know. I'd be more than happy to, uh, to assist you with that, but it's really pretty straightforward. And that gets set up on your router. And you say, well, what if I don't have a router that supports that? Uh, basically, what you do on your network configuration settings on your router here is you'll just change the DNS servers to point to the open DNS servers as opposed to the DNS servers that you get through your ISP. Uh, so in that case there, that, that'll make sure that uh, all of these categories can be blocked across the board. Now, say, for example, sports websites for us. We don't want to allow everyone access to sports websites, uh, but they're like the example I gave. The team group wants to go to the Dodgers game. Uh, so if we blocked sports sites with OpenDNS, nobody, regardless of anything we wanted to happen, would be able to do that. So these are across-the-board categories. But at no point do we ever want anybody going to pornography websites or lingerie websites or um, gambling websites and things along those lines. You can block uh, social networking through this. You can block uh, chat sites. Um, you can do just about anything you want uh, with DNS. But again, it applies to everyone as a whole uh, on your entire network. OpenDNS also allows you to specify individual websites that, you, that maybe don't fall into a category, but you can block those specifically. Or you can say, I want to block all sports websites except for LADodgers.com. Never block that particular website. You can do a lot of things with that. The best part about this is it's free. And it's one of those products that I would gladly pay money for because it is an incredibly powerful uh, program. Uh, at home, we run this OpenDNS along with SafeEyes as well. Uh, so again, a second layer of protection that we have. 
Uh, so that's OpenDNS. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, I'm going to have some question and answer time at the end that I kind of built into this uh, to give you folks an opportunity to, to ask questions. Uh, if you've got any of those, hang on to those to the end, and I'll be more than happy to answer those. On top of that, uh, I am as dyed-in-the-wool Microsoft guy as you could ever possibly imagine, but if there's one Microsoft product that I hate above all else, uh, it is Internet Explorer, for heaven's sakes. Uh, but uh, I highly recommend the Firefox web browser. In my opinion, um, all things being equal, Firefox and Internet Explorer side-by-side, side, not really a lot of difference, but the big benefit that Firefox has is what's called extensions or add-ons. It allows you to add on additional software to the browser uh, that do a multitude of, of things, and that's really where, I, in my opinion, Firefox has its greatest uh, benefits. There's a, an add-on for the Firefox web browser called Adblock Plus. What this guy does is he takes all of the known advertisement, uh, banner ads, uh, text ads, and things like that, and automatically blocks them before they ever get to your browser. So when I go to msn.com and Firefox with Adblock Plus on it, I basically just see all the information on msn.com. Uh, if I go in there with Internet Explorer, same exact website, I start to see uh, bikini models that say lose 40 pounds in four days, and um, dating websites, and uh, classmate.com, one of your classmates is looking for you, or th meet uh, hot singles in Lancaster, California tonight and stuff like that. This guy right here knocks every single bit of that stuff out altogether. From time to time, too, you might even uh, come across a website. Say, for example, you go to um, get some information about the Lakers. You know, you want to check up on the Lakers on, on uh, Sports Illustrated website. And right there on your page you want to look at on the Lakers is a picture of the Laker girls and the cheerleaders there. The great thing about Adblock Plus is you just right-click there and say block this image, and bam, it goes away like it's not even there. Uh, so that's incredibly helpful, and in my opinion, one of the very first things I, I load up when I fire up a new computer, load a Firefox on there, and then I load Adblock Plus as the first extension that I put on there. So um, highly, highly, highly recommend that. In addition to that, there's another extension called a Grease Monkey, which basically allows uh, people to write scripts to work with the web browser. It basically functions with a JavaScript. Uh, there's a, I don't really use Grease Monkey a lot. One of the, the uh, scripts that I do use for it is called the Profanity Filter Script. Even though we might block uh, pornographic adult websites, even though we block out all the other uh, rubbish, you can't go to foxnews.com sometimes without seeing profanity. Uh, so what the Profanity Filter does is it scans the entire web page. If it comes across a, a, a profane word, it basically just puts asterisks in its place and, and replaces that. Uh, you can also even go into the settings on there and add additional words in there that you don't want it to, that you want it to block out as well. So uh, highly configurable there as well. On top of that, I have some uh, policies. Uh, right, if I could get you to take one of those and pass them back, and then if I could get you to, I, oh, let me take one of those. I'm tethered to my microphone here. Flip over with, with me if you would on the second page at the top. There it should say Internet and Acceptable Use Policy. This is our policy that we hand out that uh, every single person you can just sit them down there. Thanks. Uh, every single person is uh, required to uh, read and sign. And I ask people, uh, when they turn this back into my office, have you read it? And they, most of the time they say, yeah, I've read it. Okay, what's acceptable and not acceptable? And they say, well, um, I don't, I'm not supposed to go to adult websites. So what about everything else? Well, I'm not really sure. Uh, so uh, I always go back over this with them and have them uh, read through it. Uh, basically, if you want to take a look, the, the uh, again, we're on the second page here, Internet and Email Acceptable Use Policy. Uh, third paragraph there. Users of the LBC Ministry Network should have no expectation of privacy while connected to the local area network, whether ministry-owned, ministry-leased, or personally-owned information system. That means even if you bring your own computer from home and plug it into our network, you have no 
reasonable expectation of privacy whatsoever, uh, if that's the case. Uh, to take a little bit of a rabbit trail off of that, we also do not allow people to bring in their personal laptops from home and hook them up to our church network. Um, because what if somebody takes that and copies over confidential data to their own personal laptop? Uh, at, that pro- at that point, our ministry data is off of our ministry network, and we definitely do not want that. So uh, LBC Network Services maintains the right to monitor and review Internet use and email communications sent to or received by users as necessary. That means we can go into your email inbox and take a look at your email if we want to, see what you've sent, see what you've received, uh, see uh, where you've been going on the Internet, see what files you have stored on your computer and things like that, and you have no uh, expectation of privacy. Um, What's permitted in this case here? the under permitted use LBC local area network internet connection and email system is intended first and foremost for ministry use. Occasional and reasonable personal use is uh, permitted, provided that it does not interfere with the performance of work duties and responsibilities. From time to time, I'll have a secretary call me and say, "Hey, um, I just clocked out, and I'm going to go on my bank website, and I've got to pay one of my bills before five o'clock today. Is it okay if I do that?" 100 times out of 100, no problem whatsoever. Uh, but, uh, again, here, occasional and reasonable. Then there are people who say, oh, well, I want to take some uh, college course online uh, at night, and it's going to require me to be here for four hours after working hours every single night for six months. Would that be okay? In this case here, that does not fall in with occasional and reasonable. In that point, uh, things like that would not be permitted. Uh, users may use LBC internet services for personal improvement outside of work provided that such is inconsistent with professional conduct and is not for personal financial gain. In addition to that, uh, email attachments can be sent and received that do not exceed 5 megabytes uh, provided that all attachments are scanned before they're open using appropriate antivirus software. Prohibited use. Again, we see here Philippians 4.8 uh, should be our uh, uh, definitely our checklist here we should run through before we access anything. Uh, users shouldn't use the LBC local area network, internet connection, or email to view, download, save, or receive any of the following types of material. Um, in this case here, offensive content, uh, discriminating uh, content, uh, promoting threatening or, illegal, or violent behavior, illegal activities, political initiatives, candidates, campaigns, uh, gambling, non-edifying forms of entertainment, that's movies, secular music, things along those lines, online dating, chat rooms, personal financial gain, forwarding of chain email letters. Uh, I like to pull this one out from time to time when you get those people who want to forward it on to 10 people so Bill Gates will send them a big fat check in the mail. I always say, hey, look, you signed a policy saying you're not going to forward chain letters. Knock it off. Uh, sending of uh, spam, unauthorized uh, use of material protected under copyright laws. Transmission of ministry-sensitive or confidential inf- information via email or Internet. And a lot of people don't understand this, but you should never send any type of confidential information via email. It's not secure. Um, I read today that uh, Twitter, uh, the Twitter.com um, Website. One of the uh, executives for that, his email was compromised, and in that they found uh, passwords to all these different websites. They found his uh, credit card information, the credit card information of his wife, things along those lines. Uh, and email itself is not secure in the very least, uh, so do not send any type of confidential information with that. In addition to that, tampering with your user account, the computer system, or ministry network in such a way as to misrepresent yourself or another user uh, is prohibited. That goes sharing passwords with someone, uh, giving out your password to somebody else, letting them log on as you. That would be prohibited through here as well. What are your responsibilities? Is to honor this uh, policy that we have here, abide by all existing laws, abide by copyright laws, minimize unnecessary network traffic, uh, report any violations of this to uh, whether unintentional or intentional to the uh, director of technology. Uh, and if you notice that last line there, and again I hammer this home to people, immediately reporting 
to the director of technology service any accidental viewing of a website that contains prohibited content as described above. Uh, if you do that, this helps to protect your integrity. I've had people a lot of times come to me and say, Brother King, I was on a website looking for this, and, and for whatever reason, this popped up, and I did not go looking for it. I closed it immediately, shut my computer off, and I just wanted you to know. Man, that's a help to me. Uh, but when somebody gets caught with pornography on their computer six months down the road, and they say, oh, yeah, this accidentally popped up on my screen one day, and I didn't know what to do, so I just closed it. Uh, those things do not help you. Uh, so things like that, I always recommend people, if they see something, report that to me immediately uh, for the purpose of protecting their integrity. In the event that people uh, violate this, it's going to be reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, chances are it's going to be documented. It's going to be placed in their employee file. Uh, and depending on how, how uh, substantial it is, it could happen with a warning from a pastoral staff member or it could result in termination uh, as a result there as well. It also specifies down at the bottom that signing this uh, means that you read and agree to this policy. Uh, for us, as far as password security goes, we change our passwords every 45 days. And people say, it's so hard to remember your password over 45 days. But the thing is, is if your password becomes compromised, in that instance, it's only good for 45 days, so we need to make sure that we're changing it on a continual basis. Uh, passwords have to be at least eight characters in length. We recommend that people don't use any words that can be found in the uh, dictionary. Uh, also, don't write down your password and put it on a Post-it note and put it on your monitor. And that defeats the purpose of having a password in the first place. You'd be amazed at how many people do that, though. Um, this bottom part right here is incredibly, incredibly important that I tell all of our users. All users should have their own user ID and password. Every single person that logs on our computer should have their own username and password. Uh, don't... Um in this case here, don't give your password out to anyone else under any circumstances. They say, well, I'm going on vacation, or I'm going here, I'm going there, or I wanted somebody to be able to check this for me. Uh, there's always a way around that aside from sharing out your password with somebody else. Uh, so every user has their own username and password. For us, we don't even create shared accounts. Say, for example, you've got five people working in a finance office. We don't create one account called finance that anybody can log into because if something goes wrong, we want to be able to track it down to an individual person. Uh, we had a, an instance uh, a couple of years ago uh, where a staff member had given their password to a volunteer who was helping them out that was new to the church, newly saved. Um, and about three months down the road, we came to the point where some pornography had been attempted to be accessed. Hadn't been accessed, but it flagged it that this person was trying to get these pornographic websites over and over and over and over. It was so horrible, this person was in danger of losing their job. And they basically got called in with our pastoral staff, and the pastor asked him point blank, did you do this? He said, I did not, I did not, I did not. And he said, well, this happened on these, these dates and times. And he says, and one of the times that it happened was actually during a church service. And it was like, you know what? And he says, you know what? I know for a fact I was in church. I was sitting by my wife, and I can tell you the place I was sitting at. Sure enough, it corroborated, went back, and he was in church all those times. And, and the other times, he actually had a, an alibi for where he was at. Comes to find out this volunteer who he had given his password to had been trying to access pornography on our church network. So, but almost cost this guy his job because he handed out his password to somebody. Um, in addition to that, we have some tips in here that people can use for avoiding uh, spam, not giving out your spam, your email address to anybody, not posting on online forums, things along those lines. We have everybody print and sign at the bottom. If you flip on the back of the that acceptable use policy there, uh, we have... Uh, this is filled out by a team leader when we have a new person coming on staff or a new volunteer. Uh, team leader signs who the user is, whether the user is a volunteer, payroll, or work study. That determines what type of access they have to the network. Um, if they're a volunteer, who are they? Re who's requesting access for them? Why do they need access? How long is that access going to be needed for? Uh, and things along those lines. If you skip down, you see some of the um, network accesses that they might need or any restrictions that might need to be put in place. 
whether they need email or not. Uh, for example, uh, one of the, the guys that's on our staff, uh, Willie DeLeon, he's been cooking all the excellent meals you guys have been eating this year. Uh, he has no user account whatsoever. He has a user account, but he doesn't have email because he's in the kitchen all day. He's standing over a stove uh, eight to ten hours a day. He doesn't need email, so in that case, he doesn't have email. Uh, so does this person need email or not? Uh, do they need only internal email, which means they can't send email out to the Internet, or uh, do we want to allow them external email as well? Internet access, do they need full Internet access, or do we need to restrict their Internet internet access to only certain sites also additional uh, programs that we use uh, here do they need access to those and also at the very bottom there uh, is this person only a temporary hire for example is it a college student that we're hiring only for the semester we can set up an account expiration on that user as well uh, that is incredibly helpful so in uh, at the bottom checklist there human resources approves it it's communicated to the IT department and then we handle it from there uh, so that's what every single one of our users sign before they ever are able to access our network. Then on top of that, from time to time, we have uh, folks who will come in and do some website or uh, software development for us uh, who are either staff or volunteer and things like that. And they will gain access to some more detailed personal ministry information that your average user would not have access to for, for the purpose of creating that. For example, um, one of the guys on our, on our uh, staff uh, wrote the, uh, the registration program that we used for our conference this week. Uh, he needed real deal data that had uh, pastor's names and, e and addresses and email addresses so that he could build the database to make this thing work. Uh, he had a, a unique level of access that we normally wouldn't give to just anybody. Uh, so in that case there, we have more stringent guidelines that they have to follow and an additional policy that they have to sign in that case there. Uh, so that's the first sheet that you have uh, there. Technology services, development guidelines, and policies. That's the very first pages on the handout I gave you. Uh, account usage, everybody should have their own username and password. Uh, in addition to that, if you set up a system that has a separate administrator or root password with it, you need to give that password to the Director of Technology Services, which is myself. Uh, if at any point you find any security risk on our network, man, IT guys are, are famous for, hey, let's see how far this thing goes. Let's, let's monkey around with it and try it a little bit and see if we can break it, uh, see how, uh, how much I, I could have access to. We tell them in that case there, if you find it, let us know immediately. Don't try to exploit it or play around with it. Uh, also, in this case here, backing up your system data. I wrote this really cool application that I need to back up now and make backup copies of. Uh, any event that you do that needs to be a part of our existing disaster recovery plan. It needs to fall in line with the backups that we do. Under no circumstances should data be backed up onto a non-ministry computer system or backup media that's not maintained by me or by our department. Uh, what we don't want is, say, for example, uh, Ryan's going to come. He's going to help us out. He's going to write this really cool web application. Meanwhile, he's backing up all of our ministry data to his personal laptop. Uh, Ryan is not a ministry employee of ours. He's a volunteer. He's helping us out. He's being a blessing. But now he has all of our ministry data on his laptop. And what he does from there, nobody knows. So we don't want things like that happening. Uh, so we don't want to back up any data to a non-ministry system. Project commencement, if you're going to start a new project, uh, let me know first. Make sure that it's an approved project. We don't want people throwing up servers here and there or causing IP conflicts on our network and all types of other crazy things. We want to make sure uh, that the, the IT staff is well aware of that. Uh, we don't want people to set up their own uh, proxies to be able to get out to the Internet and try to share an Internet connection amongst multiple computers outside of our established proxy that we have there. Again, that's for accountability and transparency and also so we can uh, help everybody fall in line with the acceptable use policy. Uh, on the back of that, use of personal laptops on the local area network. 
can't do it. Uh, you can't do that unless it's an absolute teetotal. There's no way around it. And again, that has to be cleared by me and our pastoral staff before we'll allow somebody to do that. So the example I just gave you, Ryan wants to come. He wants to do some development work for us as a volunteer. Um, he comes in. He says, hey, I've got my laptop here. Let me go to work. I say, we have a laptop that we'll give you. We'll let you log in using your username and password after you sign our policies. Then you, all the work that you do can be on this laptop here. Uh, so in that case there, uh, it keeps all of our ministry data here uh, on our campus and also make sure that Ryan abides by the policies that we have set forth as well. Use of uh, ministry data and personal information for development. Uh, if at any point any personal and or confidential data is warranted for development purposes, developers should access and utilize this information from a computer on campus. However, they should make every effort to not need that data. For example, uh, the example that I gave you of the guy that developed our registration process. When he was first started developing it, he didn't need any ministry data. We could say it's Pastor Bob Smith from uh, Joe Schmo, Iowa, and that was his data that he used to create it. But there came a point where he needed real live data to integrate it and make it happen. But uh, that came along in a further process and he had to get the appropriate clearances to be able to do that. Uh, in the event, event that personal and or confidential ministry data is taken off-site for development, and again, this would be in extreme circumstances, it should be used as needed and deleted at the completion of the associated development project. In other words, if you're writing a piece of software, you don't get to grab our ministry data and hang on to it for a couple years while you're writing this project. And this project should have a start date and an end date, and if you're going to miss that deadline, you need to return uh, the data that you took from us, and we should be able to inspect your system to make sure that you didn't keep any of that. Then it goes through the project and procedure. Basically, if you're going to start a new project or start a new development, uh, write some software and stuff like that, these are the steps you're going to take to do that. Uh, these are yours to take with you and use as you see fit. If you want these in a Word document format so that you can make changes to them and edit them as you need to suit your ministry, send me an email. I'll be happy to, to shoot those out to you uh, as an attachment, and hopefully those will be a help to you. Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on developing internet use policies for ministry with Anthony King. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.